This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Welcome to PowerPlay, a new series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Carissa Young, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. And I'm Danson Chung, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. Every month, the both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. In this episode, we're going to look at trade and what might happen next after China's commitments to purchase more American goods and services expired at the end of last year. If you remember, that was a key part of the US-China Phase 1 trade deal. Denson, remember the days of Trump announcing tariffs on Twitter and China retaliating and a trade war escalating in that way? Since then, it's been pretty quiet on the trade front. But that in itself is a bit of a problem since the world is waiting on what China and the US will do next. So Denson, to kick us off, do you think you could give us a recap? What is this trade agreement and how did we get here? Okay, Chris, it's a bit of a long story, but I I think you're right. We'll benefit from a recap. So all this started back in 2018 when former US President Donald Trump launched uh, his trade war against China. The genesis of this, of course, uh, was the US's large and growing trade deficit with China, which you know, by that, at that point had become a major political issue. Uh, before the trade war, you know, this deficit amounted to something like US $375 billion. Uh, and Trump you know, had said this was because of unfair Chinese trade practices, things like uh, you know, uh, intellectual property theft, state subsidies, you know, creating an unfair playing field for Chinese companies and, and, and restricting uh, U.S. companies from accessing uh, the Chinese market. So in July 2018, uh, Washington slapped tariffs on Chinese imports and Beijing, you know, as you know, retaliated in kind. At its height, you know, tariffs were imposed on $550 billion, that's U.S. dollars, uh, worth of Chinese products, and $185 billion uh, worth of U.S. goods. Yeah, I remember that. Many of those tariffs are actually still in place, and businesses didn't like it then, and they don't like it now. Uh, yes. Fortunately, there was a bit of a rollback. You know, at the start of 2020, uh, a ceasefire came into effect. Um, as you already said, you know, both sides signed a phase one trade deal under which China had agreed to buy an additional $200 billion worth of American goods and services over two years. Washington and Beijing would suspend further tariffs that they had planned to impose, and the US would also reduce some of its existing tariffs on Chinese imports. Other than that, all the other existing tariffs would remain in place. China will also have to take action on addressing US concerns you know, on issues such as you know, technology transfer, protecting IP rights, and allowing you know, U.S. financial service providers to enter the Chinese market. But we have to remember that the centerpiece of this deal was, uh, was this agreement by China to ramp up purchases of, of U.S. products and to bring this huge trade deficit down. This was the main idea. Yes, and since then, the main gripe for the U.S. has been that China hasn't been able to live up to these purchase commitments. So trade economist Chad Bone of the Peterson Institute for International Economics calculated that China fulfilled only about 60% of the commitments that it made. So China fell short of the mark, especially when it came to aircraft, automobiles, and semiconductor equipment. It did better with farm exports, but it still didn't purchase enough of those to meet the targets. So that raises the question of what the Biden administration will do next. And so far, they've said that they will hold China to its obligations under the agreement. 
but they haven't mentioned anything about a possible extension of the agreement or a second phase of the agreement. So in October last year, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai said that Washington must enforce the terms of the deal. And she also said that the U.S. government will discuss China's performance with Beijing's leaders. And last week, the Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack of the U.S. said that the U.S. will continue to press China to make up for a shortfall in trade. And that's to the tune of about $16 billion. So Denson, why was China unable to meet its commitments? Was it, you know, particularly unlucky when it came to timing? Was it unrealistic to start with? You're right, Carissa. There, there were a number of reasons why China was not able to meet its commitments. And trade experts say that the targets were unrealistic and impossibly high to begin with. If you look at the energy sector, last year China would have had to raise purchases of US energy by $34 billion. You know, that's a staggering 440% increase over 2017 levels. Then, as we all know, the COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020 and threw the whole global economy into disarray and disrupted the flow of trade. Yeah, and there's another thing. You know, apart from just boosting exports of American goods to China, the Trump administration also was focused on reducing the trade deficit. That's a good point on addressing the trade deficit. In fact, the phase one trade deal not only did not manage to reduce this trade deficit between both sides, it has grown. China's Customs Administration released trade figures last week, and China's trade surplus with the US came up to $396 billion last year, 25% higher than in 2020. So in light of all of this, how would you rate the deal? Well, China has made some progress on US concerns. For example, it's eliminated a 49% foreign ownership cap on financial service firms, meaning companies like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan have been able to set up wholly owned outfits in China. And in 2020, a foreign investment law came into force that was designed to address issues uh, like market access for foreign firms, forced technology transfer, and theft of commercial secrets. But, you know, as we all know, implementation of such things in, in China can be very patchy. A US-China Business Council survey last year found that 5% of companies said they still uh, have been asked by their Chinese partners to transfer technology. Half of the surveyed firms also said that China's protection of IP rights has remained unchanged since 2020. But I'm curious, Carissa, what do you think is going to happen now? Now that the purchase commitments under the Phase 1 trade deal have expired, is Washington going to hold Beijing to account? What actions can it take? Well, Denson, observers here say that this puts President Biden in a bit of a tough spot. So he could reinstate some of the tariffs that were rolled back for the Phase 1 trade deal, or he could maybe introduce new ones. But these tariffs seem unlikely for now. So not only will this raise tensions with China, but it will also undermine something that he's trying to do which is he is trying to tap down inflation in the U.S. And inflation in the U.S. is currently at its highest since 1982. So these tariffs would raise the cost that companies are grappling with, and they will likely pass it on to consumers, increasing consumer prices even more. And all of this just would detract from his efforts at passing his own domestic legislation. But on the other hand, if Biden does nothing, then that sort of leaves him open to Republicans' criticisms, because they like to say that, you know, he's being soft on China. And particularly since this year is a midterm election year, um, this is all going to be seen as a referendum on the incumbent president, which is Biden. So all that to say that um, his options are kind of limited and China could try and renegotiate its purchasing agreements or it could come up with a plan to make up for its shortfall. 
but we don't know if that's the path that America will choose to take or not. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. So trade negotiations between China and the US have come to a bit of a standstill, and this looks set to continue. The last time we heard about high-level engagement on trade was when Chinese Vice Premier Liu He met US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen virtually back in October last year. That's a long time ago. You know, to me, Carissa, it's a clear sign that trade is not the first priority on the bilateral agenda. But what do you think is the Biden administration's strategy or approach on trade? Well, part of its focus lies beyond China's purchase commitments. So the US has, as you, you know, mentioned during the start of the episode, long-standing concerns with China's trade and economic practices, mostly its state-centered economy and its subsidies for key industries that make it harder for American companies to compete with them. And this was something that the Phase 1 trade deal didn't address that well. So this was a point that USTR Catherine Tai made in her October speech. So she did say that the US will work with allies to shape the rules for fair trade in the 21st century. But she didn't give specifics on what she meant by that. Do you think then that a phase two agreement is likely? Most likely not, I think. Because then since so far, the Biden administration hasn't given any signals that it's even looking at a phase two trade deal. Although Chinese and American trade officials are still in communication. And meanwhile, Biden is really focused on trying to pass his domestic spending package, the Build Back Better bill. But he faces a tough uphill battle. And that's where his attention is right now. So with all of that, I wouldn't really expect to see the U.S. tackling a phase two trade deal anytime soon. Good points, Chris. I think it's clear that you know trade is not top of the agenda for either side. You know the Biden administration seems uh, to be more focused on its domestic agenda, uh, and on the foreign policy front, I think it's more preoccupied with you know, tensions in the South China Sea and and Taiwan. Beijing, on the other hand, is focused on the Winter Olympics. We are at this time of recording about two weeks away from the start of the games. Taking all this into consideration, I think we can say that trade at this point in time is a distant concern. Well, thank you, Danson. That nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to Power Play. I'm Carissa Yong. And I'm Danson Chong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.